Mark Hadley is a composer, performer, producer, and multi-instrumentalist whose many released works under the moniker Hark Madley run the gamut from orchestral compositions to modular synth explorations and everything in between. In this episode, we premiere his new song, Joy 3, and talk about his score for the film Linoleum, leaving room for randomness in new compositions, and how not to be overwhelmed by an infinite amount of options when writing. Stick around. Welcome to Chamber House. I'm super excited to have Mark Hadley here on the show to talk about his music and premiere a new song off his upcoming EP, Joy. So, Mark, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Daniel. It's a true delight. I'm a fan of the podcast. Oh, good. Thank you. When you and I first met, it was at a concert that you played in the backyard of this very beautiful house at the base of the mountains in Glendale, just a super idyllic setting. And when it was your turn to play, you came to the front, set up a table, and unloaded these cases of modular synths and connected everything up with what seemed like a full-on spaghetti dinner's worth of small cables. And out of that utter mess of technology, you proceeded to play some of the most gorgeous transfixing music that I'd heard in a really long time. And I wanted to know if you remembered that show and also if you're still finding opportunities to play live after everything got so messed up after COVID. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. I'm really glad that you enjoyed my set that day. I do remember that show quite well. Um, Modular synth performance is really invigorating as a musician and as a composer because the world of modular synth is really conducive to unearthing one's individual voice because there are really infinite possibilities. So any two people, even with the same system and the same patching, are going to create different things. So I love those kind of performances. It's always fun. There's an element of improvisation to them, always a bit of surprise and unknowingness, which is compelling, especially, you know, my background is in jazz guitar, where improvisation is obviously a huge part of that music. So to tap into it in a completely different context is really interesting. I am still finding opportunities in the post-COVID world. I don't think I've done as many shows sort of at the same rate as I was before COVID. I'd like to. It's just a, a matter of, you know, finding those opportunities and tapping in. I really find it interesting that you come from the background of improvisational performance because I feel like from that perspective, the music feels like it's being created in a forward momentum sense, right? Where you're kind of like pushing the idea out into the world. But the way that I imagine the modular synth approach is more like you're kind of keeping up with it and altering it as it's happening. Is that maybe one of the reasons why you were attracted to the world of modular synths? That's a super interesting way of describing it. I haven't really thought about it in that way, but it's very accurate. It is a, a relationship that's unfolding in real time between you and the synth. And I certainly think that that's one of the reasons why it's so compelling. It's not prescribed. It's not predetermined. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to go wherever it's going to go. And you're almost just a part of that experience. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, something I try to do with my performances is create an arc, a bit of a narrative, a bit of a journey. And so to have this goal of creating that journey in tandem with this semi-random quality to the generation of the music, it's always, it's just so engaging. 
Hmm. You know, there's a sense too that it's more reflective of the way that our lives oftentimes actually unfold. You know, when we're approaching music from a compositional perspective, we are in control of almost every aspect of it, from Mm. dynamics to the notes to the harmony, all of it. And with a modular synth approach, built into the system is a certain amount of prescribed randomness, things that you only have so much control over. And I imagine that that might feel really liberating. It is really liberating. It's quite fun. And I mean, the experimentation quality to it, you stumble upon results that you could have just never imagined with the modular synth. And that's one of the reasons why I love it so much, not only as a performance device, but as a compositional tool and just another instrument in the studio. What are some other things that a modular synth can do for a song? Like, What are maybe some specific things that it can bring to a track that maybe another acoustic instrument might be having a hard time doing itself? Mm. I might be inclined to break it down into two categories. The first category being sound generation. So using the modular synth as a sound source and using oscillators or whatever other modules might generate sound, and then manipulating that sound in ways that perhaps you could do if you really went in the weeds on the computer. But otherwise, Mm. like we are just talking about, you're going to come up with results that are truly unique to the context. And the other category would be sound manipulation. So that might be a bit more of how I use it in the studio setting which would be to take existing recordings, existing sounds, and to put them into the modular system and use my modules that are more effect-oriented to manipulate this audio. And then you're talking about things that are closer to perhaps a guitar pedal, where every module has a very unique flavor, and sometimes you want that specific reverb from this one module that sounds different than any of the reverbs in the computer or different than any guitar pedal reverb. Or sometimes a delay might have a specific character, you know. It's all about sort of just understanding what flavor you want and then how to achieve that flavor. What is it like staring into the abyss of infinity when you look at all of these tools and know that there are just an unimaginable number of ways that you can make sound using them? Like, how do you get going on a new piece? Uh, That's such a great question. I think it takes, for me, you know, a little bit of preparation in the approach. If I'm looking at my modular system and it's completely unpatched, I'm going to approach it with the beginner's mind, with a great sense and reverence for curiosity and experimentation and a willingness to be patient. And, you know, sometimes you have a concept, you have an idea of a technique or, or a sound that you hope to achieve maybe a general idea of how you can achieve that sound and start patching it up and then go from there. And oftentimes you end up deviating completely from that concept because you stumble upon something that's even more interesting. Yeah, like there's this sense that the more familiar you become with the equipment, with the tools, the more you know what it can do, but it's still such an open system that it will always still surprise you. Yes, and I there's been so many times in my musical life where I've had the opportunity to watch somebody interact with an instrument who has no knowledge of that instrument. And I am always just so compelled by that beginner's mind approach. You watch somebody who has no knowledge or understanding of the guitar, 
and the way they play it is going to be 100% different than the way that I play guitar as somebody who studied it for most of my life. And so I think trying to maintain that approach with the modular synth and not overthinking it, not being too prescriptive, but being willing to just experiment, that's such a huge part of it. Yeah, my experience of what you're talking about is a very visceral one because one of my son's very favorite things to do is to come into the music room and to play on the synths. And the way that he climbs up on the chair and turns all the the knobs and the faders and all that, it's just play. It's just exploration. It's so fun to watch and it's it's an experience that really reminds me of all the things that I fell in love with music for in the first place. I I could not agree more. It just happened to me recently. Uh, I was with some people and we had an OP-1, which is, for those who don't know, just a little portable synth that can do all sorts of different things. And one of the non-musicians in the group was tinkering with it and was honestly coming up with some of the coolest sounds that I've ever heard from that thing. And I've had one myself for about 10 years and know it inside and out. And I'm just watching the, this person generate these incredibly interesting sounds. Yeah, you're like, hey, can you come into the studio tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm also curious to know more about how you approach incorporating the world of modular synths and synths in general into the world of acoustic and even orchestral instrumentation. Typically, those worlds don't seem to overlap too much with each other. And when I think of your music, I think about it just completely ignoring the lanes that it's supposed to stay in. So how do you see those two worlds complementing each other? Well, the first thing that sort of comes to my mind is when you're talking about the concept of sequencing and melodies and any string of notes And one of the cool things about modular synth sequencer modules is that you can really come up with melodies or strings of notes that you you might not come up with if you were just sitting down at the piano, per se. Right. Because the truth is that the longer you create music, the more difficult it's going to be, in my experience, to break out of the isms that sort of inform your choices when you're creating music. Absolutely. So to be able to introduce this, for lack of a better word, randomness or just other computer generated sort of approach to notes and melodies is really cool. So, Mm. you know, messing around at the modular synth and then stumbling upon an interesting sequence of notes, uh, a melody, and then putting that melody, assigning it to violin or something. That's definitely one way I see them being interactive. And then the other way is, is, um, Again, going back to just the sound manipulation and, you know, apart from just the more typical effects, reverbs and delays, modular synth is really conducive to real audio manipulation, granular Mm -hmm. synth type manipulation, where Mm -hmm. you can take an audio recording of, let's say I do this all the time, like I'll record, you know, 30 seconds of piano. I'll put that in my modular synth and then I'll be able to completely manipulate that little recording of piano not talking about delays or reverbs but actually the sound recording itself Hmm. pitching it down pitching it up rearranging the sequence of how we hear that recording so that original recording that little snippet of piano playing it then gets turned into sort of an object of play itself yes exactly yeah I want you to talk to me a little bit more about the piece you wrote titled 33. Uh, You Mm. posted a video recently of yourself conducting the National Symphony Orchestra in Costa Rica. 
leading them in a performance of your own piece, 33. And I found that music really compelling and so many interesting things were happening throughout it. And I didn't know that you had any kind of background in orchestral music or conducting. And if you didn't have any, you were really selling it. You know, there's (laughs) 50, 60 people on stage and you're up there in your tux just creating a magical moment. Can you tell me a little bit more about that piece and what it was like conducting something that you wrote in that sort of elevated environment? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Daniel, for your kind words about the piece. That was certainly one of the most special experiences of my entire life. My background, I've always written music, but I've never written a piece for full orchestra alone, like the piece 33. The context to that was a film conducting intensive, a week-long workshop working on conducting skills that culminated in a performance with the National Orchestra of Costa Rica, as you mentioned. And part of what myself and the other participants were assigned to do was to write an original piece for orchestra that we would then conduct at this concert. No pressure. Um, Yeah, no pressure. And, and, you know, my background with conducting is virtually non-existent. So this was brand new to me. It was easily the most humbling experience of my professional life, the most challenging, certainly, and intimidating, but also the most rewarding probably too. I mean, I learned so much in that week and still left with a great sense of humility and respect for the musicians in the orchestra. The piece itself called 33... The concert was to happen the night before my 33rd birthday. And so when I was initially conceptualizing what I wanted my piece to be, I decided that I wanted to write something that felt like a little bit of a celebration of my own life so far and just sort of my own journey just for me and kind of speaking to my musical sensibilities. And so that's what I tried to do with that piece. And I had a lot of fun writing it. It was challenging and went through a lot of iterations but just an incredible experience to see it all come together. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. You have released just like a dizzying amount of music into the world. <laughs> like soundtracks, albums, EPs, symphonic works now. It seems like making music is a huge part of your everyday life. And I'm curious to know more about that, to know more about how the practice of writing and recording music in your daily life, how important it is to your own personal sense of well-being? I think no matter what our profession or what we do with our lives, we live in a world that can really be screaming at us all the time, you're not enough and you're Mm. not doing enough. And I definitely suffer from that voice and oftentimes feel like I'm not releasing enough music or I'm not doing enough. So yeah, to, to answer your question, music is fundamental to my identity and my experience as a human being, both as a listener and as a creator. As a listener, music has gotten me through the hardest times in my life. It has been a place where I can find comfort and safety, no matter what the emotion, if it's happiness, if it's sadness, uh, if it's reflection, introspection. And as a creator, it's how I express myself. There's so much to it that I feel is a necessary part of my existence to create music. And so I create music every day and it goes through ebbs and flows of of what that means. Sometimes it means working on new projects that are recorded music to release to the world. Right now, it mostly means just playing piano and practicing piano. 
I'm spending so much time these days just working through repertoire on the piano and practicing because that brings me so much joy and happiness. And it also feels slightly revolutionary because there's no capitalistic gain to doing that. Hmm. And that's another thing that I feel like is really something we're up against in this world is like everything feels like it needs to be for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And so to do something that's actually not for a purpose other than to bring you a sense of calm or joy or happiness, that's an amazing thing that I realize is also a privilege to be able to do that. It's just something that I'm finding a lot of importance in these days. And I also think it's a gift to give to other people. I think if you are playing piano and there's somebody else in the room who can just relax and listen, that's so beautiful. Not only are you connecting to that person, but you're sharing something. And you're sharing something that is like a real-time experience that has emotion. And I just, I don't know, I find that such a wonderful part of this life that otherwise has so much mystery to it. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we talked about music that you wrote for the new movie, Linoleum. And mm. the soundtrack is out now, too. And one of the things that I love about the soundtrack is how the music that you wrote does a really good job in maintaining the tension between the contrasting moods of lighthearted and ethereal, but also weighty and serious. And my question is, when you were first starting on the project, what were some of those ideas behind the game plan you were coming up with to get the mood right with the music that you were trying to write for the film? Um, that's a great question. So, you know, the writer and director, Colin West, he and I had a lot of really deep conversations about what the story is about and how we wanted the music to feel. And there are just some keywords that we kept coming back to, sense of dreaminess, and not only in sort of like an ethereal dreaminess, but in a literal dreaminess, our main character is pursuing a dream. And there's also at its core, this love story and some really heart-wrenching concepts that the movie explores about identity, about loss. And so I think trying to mesh, mesh all those together created the general sound of the score, which touches on those things you just mentioned. Well, it's a really lovely soundtrack. And anybody listening, please go look it up and spend some time with it. It's really, really nice. You also have a new EP coming out in April called Joy. And on the show today, we're going to premiere a song from it called Joy 3. And it might seem pretty clear from the title, but I'd also like you to share a little more about the feeling that you were trying to capture with the song and maybe some of the musical things that you did to achieve that. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this EP. The irony, Daniel, is that I was working on this EP called Joy in one of maybe the darker times of my life, emotionally, mm -hmm. struggling with depression and anxiety and insecurity. And this music, to me, I wanted to just focus on a playfulness. I, I have released a lot of music since my last album, but nothing like a majorly cohesive project per se. And my last album, called The Future is the Question, was a really serious endeavor for me. It tackled serious topics, and the music was very involved, and that's sometimes very heavy feeling. Hmm. Do you think that there was a, a hangover from the making of that album? I think maybe in some ways it's interesting. I'm still sort of processing everything, but Joy, I wanted to create something. I mean, on a, on a technical and more specific level, 
I've ha- I had so much fun manipulating vocals with this mm. project and just sort of experimenting with different ways of sampling my voice and not in lyrical ways, but just in syllabic ways and manipulating the audio in all sorts of different ways and creating interesting sequences and, and patterns and then meshing those ideas with other sounds that I love. There's a lot of piano on the EP. There's fun drums and, of course, synths. And I was just trying to really have fun and create music where when you hear this music, you can't help but smile and to bring a little bit of joy into the world and to people's lives who will listen to this music and also to create something very unique and different and authentic to me. And I do feel like I accomplished all these goals with this music. I'm very excited to put it out. And yeah, I'm excited to play Joy 3 on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. So am I. It's such a lovely song and it's really fun. And I'm so privileged to be able to share it on the show today. So Mark, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Daniel. This has been a wonderful conversation. You asked amazing questions and I'm genuinely touched by your interest in my work. So thank you. Honestly, um, this could not have been more of a joy. So thank you so much for hanging out with me. And now Mark Hadley's new song, Joy 3. was performed by Mark Hadley. Chamberhouse is produced by Daniel Dixon and Dabney Morris. See you next time.